Welcome to this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast. And on this week's episode, we get the return of dick magic. We'll also talk about hellhound farts. And go into incredibly in-depth details about what Sam's MySpace page would look like. Let's do this. Season two, episode eight of Devil's Trap Podcast. I'm Diana. I'm Liz. And uh, this week we're going to talk about Crossroad Blues. Is that your blues riff? That's my blues riff. Yeah, that was in key, that was in key of E. Uh, yeah. So, how's it going, Diana? What are you up to? Uh, I'm in that, that fun point right before vacation where you're just frantically trying to get all the things done. Uh, so that's my excitement. Um, you know, we, uh, we're about to celebrate babe's birthday and go on a road trip with my entire family, um, starting tomorrow. So did you buy the babe rosé? I did not buy the babe rosé. I'm sorry, but I did get two cases of Lone Star Light. So (laughs) priorities. Yeah, no, I I can't. I you should have bought it. I can't believe you didn't. I know, I know. I was like, I'm like I was really doing like, how bad is this gonna be? There's this canned rosé that we saw. It was our date night. Our fi- we had a Friday night date night to Total Wine, Costco, and Taco Casa. Hell yeah, um, that sounds perfect. It was amazing. And then we came home and drank wine, and I watched Supernatural. Um, but we um, they have canned rosé. And the and it's with bubbles and the brand is Babe, which is my husband's nickname now. Uh, so yeah, we need to ne- next time I'll have to grab some. They have a few different varieties. I think I was just like, I can't think about this. I need to go to Costco. <laughs> <laughs> my mind has been expanded. There are too many choices. Just put the to the <laughs> shitty beer in there. Put the shitty beer in. Let's go. Oh, but they did have the fancy Lone Star too. The the uh, Mexican Lager style one. Oh yeah, that's that's really good. I remember yeah. you said you had told me about it. So they, I got a six pack of that to try. Basically, we're bringing them in, we're staying in a condo and there's four of us that'll drink. So I'm like, eh, let's load up on like beach beer and, and seltzers. We got that. We got some uh, fun seltzers. Um, I forget which ones we got. Like, I think we got like the Carbach brand one. So we, I'm like taking a bunch of Texas brewing shit with me to, to Florida. Yeah, but, you can't trust with the Florida. No, I mean, it sucks I think, like, like drinking like Yingling or something. But hey, now I was like, I think I can get some Yingling light while I'm there. But we're about to have Yingling here. So yeah, I just when I lived on the East Coast, that was the closest thing to Shiner. Right. So I drank way too much of it. And now I don't want to drink it anymore. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It's still like, and I did, I drank some when I was there, but I wasn't on the, you lived on the East coast for an extended yeah. period. I was there for like three months and then I visited a bunch, you know? So for me, it's still, an, it's still a novelty range. <laughs> so, it's and I know when they start, Well, when they start selling it here, I know like, so for those that don't know, Yangling is expanding across the country and they're going to start selling it in Texas uh, in the fall. I'm like, I know I'm going to be so stoked and like go buy a case when it comes out and I'm going to drink that and like never buy it again. Like that's, what's going to happen. I'm going to be like, fuck yeah, we probably have Yingling. And I'll be like, man, who cares? That's, yeah. I don't know. like you do 
How are you? Uh, I'm kind of hungover. I don't know, like really hungover because I was fine when I got home last night, but then I stayed up really late watching Mental Samurai. Uh, and I just couldn't yeah thanks Diana so I couldn't stop watching that well first I watched a new episode of making it and I was so excited it's so good and I'm like yes it's back I love that show so So, much and it's so good it's so inspiring and I'm just like I want to go make shit I'm gonna go make shit now and so hopefully I'll get to do some making this weekend or making my couch the new debt but you know one way or the other you know, I, I could learn the new design software but I need to figure out for the 3D printer uh, Exciting. again there's so many options and I'm like I'm going through different like tutorials and skill shares trying to find like which one I want to want to do yeah. and there's some like open source software and other things but I'm really excited about about making things making things I'm excited making. to see excited to see your new fun creations with your 3D printer sure yeah um i am considering making crowns for our medieval times trip but i also may have bought you a crown <gasps> i may have what? Uh, there was one that i was ordering so guys we're going to medieval times for my birthday and i've never been to medieval times and i'm very excited <laughs> um, and i have just i have declared as queen uh, that we will all be wearing crowns so uh i was shopping for myself and for the bff and then i saw this up crown and i was like diana needs this one so <laughs> Yeah. Well, see, I still encourage you to buy buy your own crown. Just in case. case. Okay. And then you can have a backup crown. We can have, I I bought two crowns. I do do have a tiara already. I think you should probably not be shocked by this information about me, but I do own a tiara. Actually, I don't need more than one. Yeah. yeah, No, and I've got crowns and stuff, but the tiara is different than the crown, right? Because you don't want to be a princess. You want to be a fucking queen. So yeah, that's why the crown is important. Yeah, I think I've I've regaled you with our my my I've gone with my family to medieval times a few times and we uh for different events and we uh, get slossed on a shitty wine <laughs> and I and I yell a lot. <laughs> I like I like to do the uh, the princess bride boo. Boo. Yeah. But so I'm sure I'm sure the knights truly appreciate that. <laughs> but I'm entertained and that's what they're there for. Damn it. I'm here for my team, but that's okay. Yeah, they're here for my entertainment. So are you, oh, so we're recording this very early for us. Are you drinking anything? I, I am not. It, uh, I'm having uh, Dr. Pepper Zero, which is uh, actually pretty fake. I'm good. I like it. It's good. Yeah, you found it. So yes, I, have, I am actually drinking a seltzer uh, from, it's a shotgun spike seltzer sangria de Jamaica, but it's made in Texas. Uh, Echo in Texas, and it says Puro Texas on it, Puro Tejas, uh, which makes me really happy. And when my friends were visiting last weekend, we were explaining to them about Puro San Antonio, and um, just like, oh, and then I saw this in this can, I was like, it's great. Uh, they, I, I've got a variety pack of them. They, there is a pickle one in there that I'm very excited about, hmm. but having not like not really eaten much in the past couple of days and having a bunch of beer yesterday i'm like you know we're gonna go with the sangria one for now that's that's safe safer safer on the stomach safer yeah so but i saw that brand when i was at total wine so it's good to know they're good next time i have to try those yeah the sangria one's really really tasty noted and it has it has a luchador on it that makes everything better right Everything is better with the luchador, and uh, there's some corn grilling. I don't know what that means. 
it's also it's, it goes, it goes with, it means it goes with elotes like everything does oh there you go yep okay damn with that well it says it's perfect for chilling grilling and moss e moss <laughs> there's no e it says and moss and moss, <laughs> and moss. Weird. weird weird that doesn't flow but okay oh <sighs> man this so, is a fun episode in some ways it was in an amazing episode. I love very, this episode. It's, it's a really good episode, but it's also scary. Yeah, I figured there would be some things and that, that made Diana uncomfortable. There were. We'll there we go. Yeah. Uh, so this episode was first recorded uh, November 16th, 2006. It was directed by Steve Boyum. So this was his first episode. He'll be doing a lot more. But what I thought was really interesting about him is he not only is a director, but he was also a stuntman. And he's got a Weird. really long list of credits, including he was a stuntman on the original 18, which I just think sounds like the most badass job ever. Right? No kidding. Oh my God. Oh, that's cool. I like it. Yeah. So it is written by Sarah Gamble. Uh, we talked about her before. So then we can go ahead and get started. And I'm trying really hard not to belch. And that's a problem with drinking carbonated beverages. <laughs> uh, so we're going to start out in Greenwood, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. In 1938. Which kind of, I don't know if you caught this later. The timeline's off. Timeline is off. There's a lot of things that are off, but also later on when he's back at the, the well, I guess this is like post crossroads. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. So he's in Greenwood and we see a guy. And what's he doing? It's a guy playing playing blues music, playing guitar, smoking a cigarette in like a like a small room that's like obviously a um a, a juke a joint barn or a hall. It's yeah, it's a juke joint. It's a small hall being used for um for live music, for blues music. Um and uh, it's an African-American centric blues hall of some kind. So, um, you know, that, that, that's a, in that era, it was very common for there to be, you know, small halls or rooms or, or barns and bars or whatever that were used for uh, showcasing African-American music, um, especially in the South where the artists could go from hall to hall and people would, in the African-American community there would come watch performers because they couldn't go yeah. to other places well i'm going hall to hall would be called i mean jukin so jukin, jukin if i go to another place yeah, yeah. jukin or at the joint but he's also eye fucking a woman while he's playing well, so that yeah they're making eyeballs at each other the whole time but then he starts kind of like getting twitchy and hearing like some noises and like you hear them but you can tell the crowd does not hear them um and so he's hearing sounds and kind of seeing some shadows uh and there's barking um and uh he he finally just like flips, drops his cigarette, runs out of the door with his guitar, and they're growling like surrounding him. And um, at first, I'm like, I'm impressed. He kept his guitar with him this whole time as he's running off. And then he, but then he drops the guitar in the middle of the street or the gravel road, and uh, and runs off um, into like this other barn and like bolts the door shut. And you hear him barking and something bang against the door, but um, it like kind of stops for a second and then all of a sudden the doors bust open and all you see is um two men and then the woman that he was i fucking um come in and he's laying on the ground like writhing in pain and talking about black dogs uh and they, she calls for a doctor and then he did you know yeah i also like my news and this were like invisible puppies and then <gasps> <gasps> Wild dogs. That's all I can think about. If anybody's ever seen the 1980s punk rock movie Suburbia, where the initial 
inciting incident is a woman who gets babies and eat, eaten by wild dogs oh. and then they talk <laughs> about it later and they're like wild dogs and that's all i can think about right now. that's hilarious yeah yeah there's an interesting like at this point too like right as that scene's ending and i like made a point of it but it, it kind of ties in but it's not as critical as i thought it might be um, but they do like a really neat close-up of the cross necklace the woman's wearing as she's leaning over him and the light kind of reflects on it. It was just a neat shot. Yeah, I think very, it was also very, very tone setting. As he was dying, yeah, as he was dying. He was seeing, yeah. No, he was trying to look down her shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh, he was seeing this cross and it was this spiritual moment. And you're like, nah, I was looking at her tits. <laughs> and no, as we know who this is supposed to be, yeah, he'd be looking at her tits. That, oh, that would with Robert Johnson. So, all yes. right, so. And we get the hint that obviously if you didn't catch it, like when she goes, Robert, don't you die on me? Yeah, like obviously Robert they're Johnson. like, yeah. All right. So let's go to a diner. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like, damn, I want fries. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Dean's just sitting there, you know, I'm like, those look so good. And like, then I almost door dashed some fries. And then I was like, well, I've got sweet potato fries in the freezer. I should probably just eat those and not spend $40 to get fries, Getting fries delivered by the time you pay a fees. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So apparently the, you know, because from what happened in the previous episode, uh, obviously the, the law enforcement now knows that Dean ain't dead. And so he's got a warrant out for him in San, uh, St. Louis and apparently the feds are on like following him. he's in their database now. Uh, and Dean just thinks it's like no biggie. Sam's kind of stressed because he's like, this is gonna make our job harder. And then Sam's also, there's nothing on Sam, like as an accomplice. And uh, Dean's laughing at him for not being included in the manhunt, which is kind of funny, but kind of fucked up. I'm like, oh, isn't that kind of good? But yeah, I get well, it. One of, you, one of you can live free and the other one will be a wanted man. Yeah. So um, they're, they start talking about their next case, which is a guy jumped off of this high rise that he had built. Um, but before that, he had been calling and talking about black dogs. Uh, so they discussed the lore on it that um, a specter of a black, about a specter of a black dog, or could be either a, a, an animal spirit or a death omen. Um, and there's some terrible joke that Dean makes about leg humping at this point because of giant black dogs. But uh, so they're going to go investigate what what why this guy who just built this building would jump off the roof after saying he had seen black dogs and why are there black dogs in the top of a high rise because that's weird like like wild dogs yeah. wild dogs wild dogs <laughs> uh so we get our uh our brother's uh newest uh uh disguise whatever sure sure uh is as uh, writers for the architectural digest um and they're talking to the um the the guy that killed himself's friend who's a uh, friend and partner um and that guy the guy's just like look he always gets tributes he just lived a charmed life he used to suck at his job and then all of a sudden this one day he'd been bartending at this at lloyd's bar and then all of a sudden like the next day he could design like the coolest shit ever and became like a genius designer uh, designer for architecture his friend seemed a little pissy. I'm like, dude, like, I guess he was like his coworker or something. But I'm just like, dude, like, you were, you're hating on his success. You're like, oh, no, a little, he's a little bit. I'm like, yeah, just, like, were you not getting some of that shine off of him? Like, were you Talk not getting you. profit? Yeah, no, dude. Your friend's dead. Don't talk shit about your friend. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. So. so, yeah. And then, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of like, so they're like, okay, so something probably fucking happened here. 
and uh, they go to like the animal, like some weird like name for like the animal protection program or something weird to go get information on dog reports. So Dean get, uh, comes back from the to the car to see Sam and has like, of course, he's we got skeezy Dean in this one, uh, where he reports back on the secretary at the desk's um, personal stats, like her sign and what she likes to do. But funny part is that she he's like he hands a little piece of paper to Sam and is like, what is this? And it's her MySpace account. <laughs> and he has no idea what a MySpace is, but he does ask if it's porn. Yeah. Well, he thinks it's porn. And Sam clearly knows about MySpace. And yeah. then I started thinking about who's in like Sam's MySpace top eight. <laughs> like and I was like, like, does he have any friends? Because like Jessica's not there anymore, obviously. Like she's dead. Um, she so is it like and I was like, who else would have a MySpace? Like, would Ash have a MySpace? And like, so Ash would be like his number one. He'd be my, in my top eight for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, oh and then I was like, oh man, like it, like he's like trying to friend dean and dean's just not accepting his not invite. Accepting so, yeah dean and doesn't like, know how to accept his invite <laughs> yeah yeah and did like sam do the myspace coding like with his html and like Ooh, like yeah. put little like far, like sparklers going across absolutely. it absolutely did the original totally animated did. gifts you know just like a really terrible like flower growing or something so it is i spent a lot of time contemplating sam's myspace page that's amazing yeah i think like most of the people he would have put are dead right <laughs> that sounds awful but uh, yeah it's like oh you, you get moved to like it's like bobby on there like just yeah that's like, it. Bobby, you got Bobby and maybe Ash and then listen. I wonder if there's a template so you can go out and remake MySpace pages. I think it's MySpace still kind of exists. I'm just kidding. But uh, if you can remember how to get into your account that's the detail uh yeah so but they what they were getting mostly was reports of um of, of black dog sightings and that's what they were trying to research to see like hey who else is there anybody holy else shit my space is still <laughs> i told you it's all it's still there it's still there i know it looks it looks like soundcloud i guess is what it does now because yeah. it's all like artists it's, and stuff yeah they're trying to focus on like musicians that's what they try to translate over into when everybody stopped using it and went to facebook Okay, I guess out there's there's an article in Slitter Kenny I want to read. Okay, all right, sorry, <laughs> back back to back to this. All right. So they're following up on all these reports of black dogs. They go to this lady's door and they're saying they're from animal control and they're trying to find this doctor who had reported that she had seen the, the big dogs and it's her maid there who's like, no, nah, she left for a few days. She said she saw him, but I don't really, I didn't and I wouldn't believe her normally except that she's like a doctor and like super like logical. But she used to, she they find they piece together that she like had like an overnight success like ten years ago as a doctor to become like the youngest head surgeon or whatever at this hospital, and then they find a photo taken at bah, 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 Lloyd's Bar, so they're like all right now we got two ties to Lloyd's Bar we got to go check this place out in a minute, and we cut to this doctor Dr. Perlman, uh, panicking in this like kind of fucking cool looking hotel room. It's like all red and black. I'm like, all right, it's pretty swanky. It's not swanky, like fancy swanky. It's like swanky and like old fashioned swanky. Mm -hmm. um, and there's like some dude beating on the door and you're kind of like, oh shit, what's going on? And then she opens it, it's actually a person. And so she has to leave or pay for another night. And she turns around to get money. And then she turns back and then Diana had to cover her face because <laughs> I'm very upset, very distressed about this scene. And his face goes all like, like, I don't know. It reminded me of the ring, like where their faces like got all weird in the photos. I didn't like it. I don't know. It just looked like he was doing the scream face to me. I'm like, ah, but mm. 
Yeah, and like, then like his jaws unhinging and like going all yeah. Uh, it was it was like great, it. great effect. I, I love I it. I don't like it. I don't like it. So she throws money at him and locks the door. And, and his face goes back to normal. It was really weird. And then we cut then to Sam and Dean at Lloyd's bar. And they don't they're not in the bar. They're yeah, I'm very disappointed they did not go in this bar. Oh, yeah, I was, was like, awesome. I'm like, I would go have a beer in this fucking bar. That looks yeah. badass. Like, while like, you're this, there, I mean, yeah, might, might as well, well. go get yeah. a beer. We're here. Yes. It's like this little, like, sh- like small old building with, like, badass old beer signs outside of it in the middle of fucking nowhere except for this crossroads. And at the corner of all of them is, uh, at, at the corner of, each corner of the intersection is are these yellow flowers that they identify as uh, arrow flowers. Is that right? Yarrow. Yarrow flowers. Sorry. Yes. I, my notes were hard. Yarrow flowers, which are used a lot of times in summoning. And so they're like, mm, something's they're happening here or they're being planted intentionally or whatever. But uh, so they decided to dig up in the right in the smack dab in the middle of the crossroads because mm, yeah. And uh, they find this little tin box uh, with a bottle of graveyard dirt, a black cat bone. Um, and, no, it was a black cat bone. Just that's cat what bone. they said. That's what they said. Like, there's no fur on it. Like, I know. Like, well, how would you know? But apparently, they just, no, that's just what you use. And I'm also like, he was like a femur or something. Like, how the fuck did you know this was a cat? Like, I'm I know. sorry. It's, no, it was very, it was very random. I was like, oh, they found a bone. And they said black cat bone. I'm like, oh, I guess it's a black cat bone. I don't know. Like, yeah you said uh, bone i said bone a lot um anyway so apparently the crossroads or packs are made so that they they realize that these aren't just black dogs known as like the death omen these are actually hellhounds and then they say demonic pit bulls boo don't make pit bull references unless they're nice ones anyways hey a, de- a demonic pit bull would be adorable they have little red eyes and maybe little horns. Oh, it'd be so cute. Like, oh, it'd be so cute. It'd be a little sl- like slobber your face. And, like, uh, that'd be cute. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that changes it. So they go, we get a scene back to the doctor's hotel room where she's like hiding out in a room and then, uh, Someone's slamming on her door. She doesn't, she doesn't, she's hiding and then it stops. So she gets, stands up and then all of a sudden uh, uh, she's got a window right behind her. So shockingly, uh, something smashes through the window and you don't really, you never see like this dog. It's invisible, but you see her like getting tore up and then get pulled out of the screen. Yeah, she got fucked up. She oh, yeah. got fucked up. Those puppies were mean. Like, I think she, she needs to get some puppy. treats. Like you guys need to learn how to work with dogs a little better. Um, okay. And then we cut back to 1930 in Rosedale, Mississippi, and it's the same crossroads by Lloyd's, but Lloyd's wasn't there yet, just to be clear. (laughs) Um, And it's Robert Johnson. Uh, So this is before the scene we saw earlier. So we're jumping back further, showing how this all came about, where he buries something. He's got like a little pouch he buries in the middle of the crossroads, and a woman in white appears behind him, and her eyes flash red. And he says he wants to be the best blues man who ever lived. And so she, uh, she kisses him, and she disappears. You make out with him and then poof. Demon wish, make out, poof. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. Wish, make out, poof, die. No way. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. And so, um, yeah. So they, you know, they're talking about Sam and Dean go back and they're talking about the crossroads. They're talking about Robert Johnson and talk about how the occult references in his music. Um, and that uh, it's believed that he was, he died choking on it in their, case it's believed he died choking on his own blood and hallucinating and muttering about uh, evil dogs 
And also Dean mocks the shit out of Sam for not knowing not who knowing Robert Jones is. Does. And I would too. I'd be like, really? And this is what I like. Then my music nerd would come out and I'd be like, you, you don't know Robert Johnson? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so we know Robert Johnson and we're going to talk about Robert Johnson and Crossroads and stuff because it's time for some lore. Cause lore. Obviously, you know, last week we decided we had we're recording this early and Tiny was like, can, can you get this done in time? And I'm like, I was like, yes, but because I'm very excited about this. And I could have honestly, there's so much research I still have. Like I didn't even get through like half of it. Yeah. Uh, but I was sitting in a bar last night and like while I was working on working on lore, like someone comes up behind me and they're like, oh, so I saw you reading my Robert Johnson. And I'm like, fuck, I need a screen protector. And <laughs> then he started telling me about like some blues, some like blues guy from from uh from Canada and he's like really great he sings a song about the devil and I'm like half the blue songs are about devils but okay dude yeah nice to meet you please go away and let me sit at this bar and be antisocial for a while uh okay all right it's like it's like reading at the bar is like the ultimate cue that I don't want to talk to people but no, it, but it never works still, that way. They're just like, oh, what are you reading? We were like, well, clearly I didn't invite you to see what I'm reading. But also I was very happy just to be working at a bar. It was it's yeah, so nice true. to be able to like sit at, at an actual bar and not like at a table by myself out in a corner. I'm like, it's just something nice about someone bringing me beer while I'm researching. Like it's, oh. it's it makes me happy. Yeah. Um, also, there's a bug and the cat is uh, chasing it. And so we may hear some fun noises in a second. Oh. All right. So the Robert Johnson legend has been around for a very long time. And I think most of you probably know it. The basic gist before we go into details, you know. The legend goes, Robert couldn't play guitar. He goes away, comes back, and he's a genius. So I'm like, well, how'd you do this? Well, I sold my soul at the crossroads. That's that's the story in a nutshell, right? Yep. Uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about Crossroads. So Crossroads or the Forks of the Road is a place where two roads cross. <laughs> oh. um, honor about at right angles. Uh, and there, the Crossroads is a land that belongs to no one, a place outside the borders of town, which is a suitable site to perform traditional hoodoo magic rituals or cast spells. In the African-American hoodoo tradition, crossroads can be where you perform a ritual to gain skills or the place to perform magical spells of disposal and dispersal. Uh, so you can kind of leverage them for different things if you're doing root work. Uh, so in hoodoo lore, the black man at the crossroads is a spiritual entity that if the proper ritual is car carried out, can magically, magically bestow a skill or knowledge on that seeker. So the difference between meeting up with the black man and traditional demon packs of lore, which is kind of what they're going in here. So like in right. this episode, we're getting a cross between crossroads and Faustian packs. And if you kind of go into think about the Robert Johnson legend itself, it says like that is a Faustian pack, right? I'm going to give you my soul and, and for that you get this. But typically like an actual hoodoo, like they're not really, you're not selling your soul right um it's really just more about you know um he's not giving you the gift for free but basically he just requires like sometimes there's like you need to do me seven years of service but there's really no like eternal damnation or the loss of the soul right uh 
Skills you can learn at the crossroads could be you can learn to play a musical instrument, to become talented at dice throwing, dancing, public speaking, or whatever you really choose. And so, I mean, if you if you were at a crossroads, what skill would you want, Diana? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm too indecisive. That seems like very like <laughs> really stressful. Like yeah, I'm so I, stressed I, out. That's <laughs> like 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 that's like when people are like, "What's your favorite band?" I'm like, <gasps> "I'm gonna go deep breathe in the corner for about an hour, and then I'll come back with a list of ten. How about that? That's like yeah. how I can't like I can't. Oh, like, yeah. I I always like, do my top ten. Like I was like, okay, oh, top yeah. ten, no particular order, although I know like the top three. Like, how, so how do you make a wish? Like that's insane. Like pick one thing you could do. Ugh. Well, I think, you know, it's for, because you're learning a skill, like this is probably something really specific, right? Like I like That's the true. dancing one and it's just like, but I'm picturing like, you know, old blue, like old, like old timey dancing. So yeah. like jigs and shit. So yeah. it's like, I really want to learn how to do a reel. And so, but all right. So, so to conduct the ritual, you basically you bring an item that you want yeah. to master. So it could be a musical instrument, a deck of cards some dice, et cetera. And you take that to the crossroads and then you wait there for a, a number of nights or mornings, depending on which, which ritual you're doing. And during your visits, you may encounter a mysterious series of black hued animals. And on your last visit, a figure will arrive. And this is the man who meets people at the crossroads and teaches them skills. He's called the devil, the writer, the little old funny boy or the big black man and in this situation black means the actual color black and not your skin not a skin color right right to clear them and so if you show no fear or stand your ground this the the black man will take up the item you brought with you and show you how to properly use it by 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 demonstrating himself and then when he gives the item back to you you now have the gift to excel in that so the crossroads are intrinsically linked to Asu Elikbara, um, who exists under different names in many West African cultures and throughout the U.S. and or I guess Americas in general. Um, but you probably have heard like of you know, Legba and other things you may not have heard of would have been like Exi, uh, Etu Eluga, Elugua, I think. Uh, but also Papa Legba, which is really big in voodoo culture, and Papa Labas. Uh, so. Henry Louis Gates described Asu's function as a meteor situated at the crossroads. And I get really excited when I got to this part because you'll, you'll hear why. Okay, each version of Asu is the sole messenger of the gods. He who interprets the will of gods to man. He who carries the desires of man to the gods. Esu is the guardian of the crossroads, master of style and of stylus, the phallic god of generation and fecundity, master of the elusive mystical barrier that separates the divine world from the profane, frequently characterized as an inverterate copulator possessed by his enormous penis. Linguistically, Esu is the ultimate copula, connecting truth with understanding, the sacred with the profane, text with interpretation the word as a form of the verb to be that links the subject with the predicate. And so obviously we got dick magic. We got back to dick magic and it's been a back while. It's been a while since we had that. And I'm just really happy that it came back. I also am very excited that th this man has a giant penis. Um, so 
for making sure that that the giant peen was kept into it all right so in the blues tradition this trickster figure is often represented as a devil author adam gusso believes that associating oneself with a devil gave gave a source of usable power for a blues performer a form of subcultural one-upmanship that can translate into profitable mystique on the streets and in the jukes so I think this is really interesting that basically it was kind of like a reputation builder and okay. it was like, Hey, like I'm going to be cool. So I'm going to be you know, talking about like evil and the devil. Um, but it also is allowing blue singers to make this direct connection between the craft and hoodoo. Uh, so in voodoo hoodoo, uh, which I love when those words are paired together because they sound great in voodoo hoodoo, uh, religious belief, it was at the crossroads that one could not find, could find not the devil, but Legba, the most powerful trickster god. The confusion of Legba with the devil is easily explainable. Just as early Christian missionaries taught their African converts that Legba was Satan, so did the semi-dualism of Christianity imposed upon the holistic cosmology of the Africans brought to America as captives, forced Legba into the satanic role. So, you know, to interpret interpret, uh, his big words there, uh, really it was just that, hey, Christians wanted to force people's beliefs into a thing, and yeah. they're like, "We either have good, we have good and evil." Uh, Legba's not God, so clearly he must be evil. He's a trickster, uh, so he's Satan. Because you know, in that some way that some Christian religions have of like everything that's not us is Satan. So that was kind of it. But so to the actual legends, right? So who did sell their soul at the crossroads? The two most popular legends are that either or both Robert Johnson and Tommy Johnson, who is not related, uh, learned to play the guitar from the devil at a crossroads. Uh, so I want to talk a little about Tommy Johnson because you may not be this familiar with him. But if you remember in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh-huh. The Tommy they pick up, that's Tommy Johnson. So remember Ooh. like, and I didn't actually know this for a while. I always just thought there it was like they were doing a plan, Robert Johnson. But it really is Tommy Johnson. So he's the one in the movie, he's his soul to soul to play guitar. Right. Uh, he was one of the most prominent blues musicians of the early 20th century. Like Robert, he was part of the musical movement known as the Delta Blues, obviously called because it originated in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, Tommy, however, was a troubled soul and a chronic alcoholic. He had somewhat um, somewhat commercial success with hits like I love the song Canned Heat Blues, a song about drinking methanol from the cooking fuel sterno. And I was like, that's Whoa. some alcoholic problems. I'm Whoa. like, oh, Man, shit. That like, shit smells so bad, too. Oh, um, yeah. Um, so Tommy was also known to play the guitar behind his neck, in between his legs, and in midair. Uh, aside from his guitar uh, techniques, Tommy's voice was unique and incredibly difficult for anyone to imitate. And so he was able to do a wide range of vocal tones like pretty easily. And people were just like, well, clearly, you know, you've got this ability, you gotta come from the devil. Um, but Tommy has just started like confirming this. And so he would say, if you wanna learn how to play anything, uh, if you wanna learn how to play anything, you want to play and learn how to make songs yourself, you take your guitar and you go to where a road crosses the, that way, where Crossroads is. Get there. Be sure to get there just a little before twelve that night, so you know you'll be, so you'll know you'll be there. 
you have your guitar and be playing a piece there by yourself. A big black man will walk up there and take your guitar and he'll tune it. And then he'll play a piece and hand it back to you. That's the way I learned to play anything I want. And if you listen to that, that's very similar to just the hoodoo tradition of like going to the crossroads to learn a skill. You go, the person, whoever comes there, basically plays it for right. you and then you learn so it's very very similar to the traditional the hoodoo folklore uh one of tommy tommy's critics said that tommy's story was just to bolster his fame and reputation and augment his trickster image uh but really the only difference between tommy's legend and robert's legend is just kind of the end result so because you know robert johnson died when he was 27 he became the original founder of the 27 club uh which for those of you who are not familiar the 27 club is the idea that really talented musicians die at 27 yeah so jim morrison jimmy Hendrix, janice joplin kurt cobain mm -hmm. uh amy winehouse all died at 27 so yeah. That's it's a theory that this is like kind of where that originated. Started, yeah, they originated. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about Robert then. So like you know, we talked about you know what his legend was, right. and so part of the realism behind it is that he really did disappear from public eyes in 1930. Yeah. Uh, so earlier, oh. go ahead. Oh, yeah, he, he not it was in, I, my notes had he disappeared in 1938. Yeah, when he... No, that's when he dies. So 1930 is when uh, the he first really in in reality time in the yes. timeline. Uh -huh. uh, there at this point he really was not a good musician and he disappears. Yes. And everyone says he yeah, was sorry. gone for like six months, right. but he was actually gone for more likely two to three years. Right. And so. Uh, what he did do was he went so at right before, before this time too his wife had just died yeah. so he had kind of given up a bit of his musical career to become a sharecropper and to have hang out with his wife and his kid his wife dies uh he gets all fucked up he's still not playing he's like i want to i want to play guitar uh so he goes back to his birthplace he starts play, uh, studying guitar with ike zimmerman uh, who I also love as a character. So he told his wife that he learned playing guitar sitting on top of tombstones. Uh, Zimmerman practiced guitar in his local graveyard at midnight and would tease his family about how the haints, which is a, a hoodoo term for like ghosts or spirits, uh, how the haints would come out when he was picking. And then soon after Robert came there, Robert would join him in the, in the graveyard. Uh, according to Zimmerman's grandson, it was always at 12 o'clock. They would leave and go to that cemetery. It, it got, it's got them old tombstones. He'd sit back there with him, Robert. He wasn't at no crossroads. There wasn't no crossroads. They went across the road because you got to go across the road to get to that cemetery, <laughs> uh, which I think is a great description. It's just like, I got to cross the road. Yeah. Uh, but so after, you know, after this years of studying with Ike, then Robert comes back to the world and he's really, really good because he's been a couple of years learning, sitting on top of tombstones and learning how to play, which I Playing his guitar in a, in a graveyard, which just sounds like... Super like, gothy. yeah, sounds 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 gothy and fun. Can we can yeah. we talk those afterwards? That's like yeah, yeah. So cool. <laughs> Let, let's go have a, like I, as much as I hate the term. Everybody says you want to have a jam session. I'll punch you in the face when you say that. But we can go play songs in the in a, in a cemetery and play, then play go get talking. Playing songs, <laughs> playing songs in the cemetery is completely different. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So, so Robert, you know, really though, he cultivates this image of himself as a trickster, but also a lot of his stuff is just about being a ladies' man or okay, a womanizer. He was not a good man to women. He was he was shitty. Um, 
and he but he didn't turn away from this legend around him he was also known to have told the story himself interestingly enough like the song they talk about in 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 this episode and the one that's really you know crossroad blues Dinah's laughing because the cat's attacking me um you did a really good job just keep talking and like the cat's like trying to eat your arm I'm like, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, but Crossword Blues doesn't really mention anything about the devil or about a pack for skills. It's you know really just more about being at a crossroads, right? Yeah. Um, so here's some fun facts, and I think Dinah's going to want to play off one of them. So Hellhound was actually recorded in Dallas. So yep. anything you want to say about that? Yeah, so um, Robert Johnson record is you know he really his discography is very very short. Uh, as much as he is a legacy and arguably is was one of the greatest bluesmen to to live at least for that time period um he actually recorded uh almost 13 of his 29 the only 29 tracks he ever recorded at a place called 508 park in downtown dallas um and luckily the um some nonprofits in the city have actually preserved that property and have been doing events at it um art artists other artists have recorded there um recently um historically though back in the time that it was when Robert Johnson was recording, this was in 1936 and 1937, primarily. Um, Gene Autry also recorded there before it was sh shut down as a recording studio. Bob Wills also recorded there. Lolo Cavazos was a Cajunto player that also recorded there. Um, and uh, yeah, this it's a church that operates the building, that, that, yeah, that operates the building now, but they've been really, in the last 10 years specifically, they were able to get a lot of funding to really renovate it. It is um, uh, an art deco building that's in downtown proper. And they, they've got like some community stuff there as well it's not only the music but they've had um some of like you know you know like on the, like the light posts in a downtown area they have like the cool art like oh here's cool things about our city they've done those about like bible white park before uh and another little tie-in just so you know is um the other place notable place that he recorded uh was it, I was gonna oh i'm sorry i was gonna do my segue i'll leave it i'll leave it so either way the most important thing is that 508 park um is still in existence today um and, and has been able to you know really kind of um work in recent years at least to preserve and celebrate the robert johnson's legacy which is kind of neat and yeah. it's probably kind of ironic that it's a church just saying <laughs> Yeah, um, and so the it other wasn't thing, then, but it is yeah. <laughs> the other thing that Diana was mentioning. Is what, uh, well, I mean, you could have. It's fine. Um, so one of the other places he recorded a bunch of his tracks in 1936 was at the Gunter Hotel in San Antonio, and he recorded that in room 14, 414. They changed that into a music studio to record oh. there. Um, so that's where he recorded Sweet Home Chicago, which is probably, I think, everybody, even if you don't know blues, you know Sweet Home Chicago. Uh, he also recorded, I believe, I'll Dust My Broom. Uh, but I did check that is, so for those of you who don't know, the Gunter is one of San Antonio's most haunted hotels, which is why this is extra awesome. And I was like, oh, the 414 is not on the, the, the haunted room list. So, which I think it would have been really interesting if it was, but, you know, and, but so I think there's just that cool tie-in of this man associated with, you know, a dark legend in a hotel that's associated with many dark legends. Yeah. Uh, and I think that this, the first suicide that happened there that inspired like one of the original ghosts, I think it was before this happened. Wow. So maybe there was like ghosties like playing with him. Well, maybe the ghost just didn't just want to be respectful of the recording environment because they know that their presence can affect uh, sound waves. And so they just didn't want to fuck up the records. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> why is there all the static on this track? Oh, fuck, it's the ghost. And so they're oh. just like, you know, 
we want to fuck with people. We don't want to really ruin their record. We know it's like really hard to go record in this era. Yeah. So yeah. there we go. Yeah. Uh, so really, I mean, those are the stories of Tommy and Robert. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, that so we could spend hours and hours talking yeah. about this. There's so many intricacies and so many things that really go into how the the, the theme of like the devil and who right. itself is really a part of the blues tradition. And especially and so, Delta blues, especially Delta blues, which yeah. is considered specific as a specific subset of the blues. It's the Delta blues, which, which is a very Southern specific type of, of, of blues music that Robert Johnson basically yeah, yeah. And it, pioneered ish. Eh, yeah, he was he was one of the forerunners. We can say that for sure. Um, and you know, he, basically, it was probably about the third iteration of like blues movements when it started coming out. Right. But I think you know, really thinking about just in terms of subject matter, having hoodoo and um, within Hell the Hell. South <laughs> yeah. and Hellhounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, but I mean, hoodoo is you know, it is, and it's not a religion; it's a tradition, right? It's right. Work. It's con, you know, it's. And there's so many great, great stories about, it. but this would have been something they grew up with, something that was just around them. So having that become a part, you know, so what I think is really cool is that then becomes a part of American history, uh, just because blues is this is an American, you know, that is an American genre, and we will we will own that yeah. forever. You know, it's yeah. one of the great things that America's music has produced. So, uh, and then it would end up influencing you know, you know, all the rock and roll. I mean, you can't talk, sure. you can't you can't look at any of like the what are considered like the great people without them saying their influence came from these blues these blues musicians so anyhow tangent on blues and some tangents on hoodoo and i'd also just really like saying hoodoo it's just hoodoo hoodoo is a fun one to say hoodoo uh yeah um so did you like i'm I'm sure you did did you follow like after he died like what what kind of like they they talked about so, like, so I was really fascinated. So apparently, Robert Johnson died, like on like play, out playing a tour, a tour or whatever, yeah. right? Or whatever he did. You know, that's all he did, basically. And like, no one really noticed. <laughs> and then, like, thirty years later, like, oh shit, he died like thirty years ago. Like this musicologist like tracked down like exactly what it, like not exactly because they didn't have exact, but kind of like had to like PC like, oh shit, that's when he died. Okay. Like no one, like it wasn't, it wasn't front page news like today, you know, like um, how we handle like celebrity passings. It was kind of, it's just kind of interesting to think about that. Well, it is, but also, I mean, so the time where like he, the legend starts spreading and where things start really kind of like popping off or the, you know, for this um, ha- comes a lot into like the folklorist recordings of people like uh, uh, Lomax, so Lomax was running around and trying to like basically capture all of like the folklore, uh, folk folk music. And by folk music, I don't mean you know Peter Paul and Mary. I mean you know traditional right. American music. So a lot of the legends and things came, really did come after the fact, and you know were conversations that these white dudes were having with people from there. So there is quite a bit of questions and you know academic discussion about how much of our perception about what these you know, what the lives are like what influenced these songs was coming from that perspective as opposed right. to a someone who was coming from that subculture it was the same thing as somebody reporting on punk rock and like not being a punk rock you know like like that you, never you happens that would never happen <laughs> no teasing. uh or you know yeah. so no, I, for sure 
I just, I always think that's interesting when you think about things that are really important to our culture, but understanding like what influence our perception of it. So I don't know. I, I think it's an amazing story. Uh, I, sure. I always, always love Robert Johnson anyways. Uh, and now I get to learn about, you know, Tommy Johnson, who I didn't know I knew. Now I know. And so, yeah. And Dick Magic. And more Dick Magic. Uh, always. It always comes back to Dick Magic. Uh, oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome cool stuff to talk about for sure uh yeah all, all right. right so let's go to back to the story so they figure out the story. they yeah. figure out that they need that, that apparently the, the surprise they added a bit to the whole like like legacy they're like oh by the way in addition to the grave dirt and the the black cat bone you also have to put a picture of yourself in the box which they didn't really allude to earlier but you did so they find that they have the photo of this guy so they take it to lloyd's bar and be like hey who the fuck's this guy and they find this guy george darrow and they're kind of surprised because like and, and i was just kind of like okay something weird's going on here or this guy's like super nice guy but apparently they he instead of wishing he when he wished for his talent or his his wish of whatever he chose to be the greatest artist but instead of being famous or rich or successful, he was just a really fucking good artist. And his art was actually pretty fucking cool, whoever they used. Yeah, he's a he's amazing art. His studio is fucking amazing too. Yeah. Like so, I would have I create in that studio all the time. And he had and he had a different uh and he had some like black powder at the door frame and they're like, huh, oh, is it pepper? You're supposed to use salt, huh? Oh, you know, whatever. But it's I'll let you talk about the <laughs> dust. Yeah, it's goofer dust, or uh, sometimes also known as goofa dust, depending on how southern you are and how big your accent is. Uh, so that is, you know, basically that can refer to um, powder or dust that's used in conjuring work to trick, stop, or harm an enemy or predicament. In the Carolinas, though, some people call snuff goofer dust, which is really interesting. So I was reading about this old conjurer woman, and they were talking about she's sitting on the porch sniffing goof goofer dust. And then I was like, oh, shit, well, that's weird. And then I was like, oh, it's also snuff. So which like, looks she, the same. She like, does she just really like to party? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so in New, in New Orleans, you know, uh, Goofy Dust is often called uh, graveyard dirt, too. Um, okay. So if you think about, they're talking about yeah. what goes in the box, having the graveyard dirt in there, that's also can be a version of Goofy Dust. Uh, and it comes from the Kikongo word, which is uh, a con Congo, with a Congo, the term for congoing congoing congo but i don't want to say congolesian like that's not good um but yeah so from the congo um it comes from that word which uh kufwa k-u-f-w-a which means to die i learned a good word well you can say just when you think about it, it's yeah. trying to stop things from happening, right? right? So exactly. you're trying to stop evil, you're trying to counteract a spell, you're trying to do the other things. So to die in this sentence doesn't necessarily mean, you know, cut this mortal coral. It just means I'm going to end something. Yeah. So that's good right. dust. So, yeah. And basically, though, he's like, he's he, so it's his hoodoo to keep out demons and um sam's kind of like hey let's 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 help you let us help you stop the the hellhounds you don't you know this is you shouldn't have to die for this and he's like no i made the fucking deal i'm i accept it i feel bad i shouldn't have summoned that thing i fucked up i was being you know and now uh and then i feel bad the worst part is though that after i summoned it it hung out for 10 like my first what is it several days and talked to a bunch of other people yeah and he's like, and they're like, oh shit, do you know who the other people are? 
He well, thankfully he knew. He did. <laughs> but he had been tracking the doctor who we now know is dead. And he'd been tracking the architect who we now know is dead. But there was one other person. But it's really interesting that he's just like, no. And, and Dean actually really doesn't really want to help this guy either. Dean's kind of like, fuck it. He made the deal. We don't really need to help this guy at all. And Sam's like, no, we should help everybody. And the guy's like, no, I'm, I did this. It's okay. I just want to finish my painting. I just need two days to finish my yeah, painting. Which I completely respect. I was just <laughs> like, man, you did something. You're taking accountability for it. But also sometimes you just really need to finish your painting. So it was like, can you just hold off? Because if I die and this isn't finished, I'm a I'll real be, pest. Pissed off spirit. <laughs> Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah. Uh, so we cut to this, um, the guy, the other guy named Evan Hudson that they had, that, that George, uh, George Darrow had identified and he, this guy's, you know, sitting working on something in his office and, um, his wife like walks in, he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, go see your sister and, the, and your niece and blah, blah, blah. I'll just be around here. And then he does a really awkward goodbye, which I'm like, that's not like a red flag. Like, just know that I'll always love you. Like, Motherfucker, I'm just going to my sister's house for the weekend. This is really suspicious. <laughs> like, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, like, are you going to have an affair? Are you going to murder somebody? Are you going are you to kill yourself? Yeah, like, like, these things, like, do not inspire me to leave you with confidence. No. And then she, uh -uh. So he tells her that he loves her. And then um, she turns to leave. And then she, as she's turning back, I got, I got, I got the feeling and the music changed a little bit. And I covered my eyes. So I didn't see her face. <laughs> I didn't see it at all. It was a good face. No, I'm just oh. gonna send you pictures of it. Like, and I asked, I asked I, I, Dave was actually watching with me last night. Well, kind of like he was doing stuff. He was in the room, so I was like, "Was it scary?" He's like, "It was pretty freaky." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I just call I it fun, 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 stretchy demon face. It's like, uh, it's like silly penny in a face. Oh my god, it's very distressing to me. And like the milky eyes. Oh, I don't like it. I didn't see hers, but the other guy had milky eyes. I saw that one. Yeah, they should kind of milky. A little milky. Anyway, so um, Sam and Dean uh, come show up at his house and show the wife's gone at this point because her face does go back to normal and she just leaves and the husband's like freaked out. Which also, why does she not like, when she goes back to normal, she doesn't like react to the fact that he's looking at her like that. <laughs> like, she's like, she turns around and it's all scary faced and he's like horrified. She's like, I love you. <laughs> like, he's just like, looking at her like, what the fuck? I'm like, oh, this is a lot of red flags going on here. Uh, I'd be like, nah, babe, I'm going to stay with you this weekend because I'm worried about you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, they're, he's terrified and assumes that Sam and Dean are demons too. And they're like, fucking hey. So they got to break in and chase him down in his own house. Uh, but they figure out what his wish was from the demon. Okay. Oh, well, before that, I just want to say, so Dean, I was like, Dean is kicking down doors. Dean yeah. is turning doorknobs. <laughs> like, like that was such a great exchange. Like when they get to the door and he's like, I'm going to kick it. And Sam's like, like, hold on, just open it. Yeah. It was open it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, and they're all like, oh, you selfish bastard. What did you get? What did you wish for that? Like, oh, not they, Dean. Well, Dean is specifically, Sam is not being a dick. And then he, it ends up that his request was not to, he said for his wife. And we're like, oh, he just wanted to just want to marry her. Okay. And, but it ends up, it was to save her because she was like about to die, like days away from dying of cancer, yep. which is very sweet and sad. It's very sweet and sad. And then Dean starts putting all his issues on this man. Like he yes. does. I'm like, so this is how Dean deals with his emotions. <laughs> I take it out on other, I will just implant I'm my feelings. I'm going to project. I'm going to project. That's what he does. 
And so basically he's like, did you do it for her? Do it for yourself? Would, no, wouldn't she, would she have approved if she knew if it cost your soul? Now she gets to watch you die. And like, anyways, it's just really, it's really a shitty kind of scene because but he's not wrong. He's not wrong, but also he is projecting his own issues yeah. with his dad's death onto this situation. And, and I don't know that that's, well, I would, I don't necessarily think that that's fair. Now are his concerns probably real things that could be, that this guy's probably already dealing with emotionally? Yeah, but it's kind of not fair to assume. I, I don't know. But it, yeah. oh, no, I mean, to say like Dean's valid. He's also a dick. And at this point, like, should you be judging McJudgy? Like, I'm like, yeah, all right. This situation sucks. He knows he fucked up. All right, let's figure out how to solve your problem. Like, that's just me. I'm like, okay, whining time is over, Dean. Like, yeah, put your big boy panties on. Uh, but then we go to you know Dean and Sam finally being like, hey, like I guess elephant in the room. We need to talk about this. Uh, yeah, you think Dad did that, right? And you're like, oh yeah, Dad totally did that. <laughs> Obviously, they figured it out. But um, so they decide that Dean's going to go try to trap the demon at the crossroads and Sam is going to try to keep this guy safe um, in the meantime. So and they've got the rest of uh, George's hoodoo or yeah, goofer dust with them. Oh, yeah. So Sam makes a goofer dust circle, which we'll get back to in a second. So we're going to go back to cross back to the crossroads. Yeah. I feel like and now Britney, Britney Spears is going to like pop crossroads. up. <laughs> I never saw that. That's okay. Um, I think that's okay. I actually, do, I have never. Maybe I'll do that this afternoon. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this seems like a fun. This seems like a fun way to spend my afternoon. I'm gonna watch Crossroads. Why not? So uh, Dean summons the demon, and his the I, I guess like the demon changes appearance based on who's calling it because this is a uh, attractive brunette woman. Um, uh, basically, he tells the demon that he wants Evan Hudson released in exchange for himself, and then. She, that gets her to reveal and confirm to them because she they already figured it out obviously but she really confirms to them that like it's a sacrifice that his dad made like like father like son like gonna sacrifice yourself and so that confirms it and uh so he tries to get her into his car to seal the deal and she sees that there's a devil's trap drawn on there so she can out and get in and she gets mad at him yep and then and then the puppers the puppers are coming for evan puppers are coming arf, arf, arf. so so um, and, and then and then the demon gives a super vampy villain monologue and oh, yeah. is very reminiscent of Meg in the way she's talking. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. The the super breathy and then your dad is yeah. suffering. Huh, huh. And I was like, bitch, just use your normal voice. Yeah. Stop being uh God. Use your and and, and, yeah. voice. And she man. but she's basically saying that like it, that Dean fucked up by A trying to trick her and B picking the wrong wish because she could have brought John back and he didn't even wish for that but she'd rather just leave him in misery and let him live instead of taking him because she knows that he's punishing himself enough which is really fucked up and dark too but yeah yeah and then we get vent puppies so the puppies and are in the vents they are in the hvac system <laughs> i was like i was like, I'm like i'm also oh. ahead and like so the puppies are like okay i can't get in through the door all right. Oh, I see this grid up here. And then when they like take unscrew the grid and like <laughs> like jump into it and they're like going down the hallway like all like heisty style. And I'm and I'm over here like I just had to get a piece of ductwork replaced at my house. That shit is <laughs> not very cheap, but it is pretty small. So it's kind of weird. I guess they have very large ductwork in their house. Well, and also, you know, these these puppies clearly like to chew on things, which does make me think of Kevin. So uh, yeah. Diana's yeah. dog ate a door last week. So I'm just like, oh, maybe he's a hellhound. Yeah. I mean, he kind of looks like one. 
He kind of does. He does look like the best hellhound ever. We can put a little more. <laughs> we can put little horns on Kevin. It'll be great. Oh, so. Anyways, but um, the demon offer makes a deal, offers a deal to Dean, saying that he can that uh, John can have a nice long natural life, um, and then Dean can have ten years, and that's it. And then she gets him, and so uh, and so he acts like he's actually going to do it, and I'm like, I actually I believed it. I was like, oh fuck, okay, I can see him doing this. It's Dean, but um, but instead, but his face was real sad. Like, did you buy the real sad Dean face? Like, that's very, why I thought he looked sad. Yeah, I thought he looked. I thought he looked sad, but I thought he was going to do it. I think that's why I thought he was going to do it. Yeah, I think you know this. To me, I'm like, oh, Dean has a sad face on. Like, he's lying. Like, he doesn't yeah. have a sad face. But no, anyway, no. so I bought she it. Gets tra- Just like me and the demon both fell for it because yeah. <laughs> she he traps her in another devil's trap. How did you paint this shit? Like, <laughs> I was like, did I you know, put a like, ladder? I like, did you pull baby up up to it and like stand on the hood to paint this? That. Like, yeah. I, I always wonder this, like, you know, when everyone like passed the like the really crazy graffiti things like that are under bridges and stuff. I'm like, how did you do that? How did you get there? Shit. They get crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh so he's t- still bargaining for Evan. You start seeing the claw marks and back in the house where Evan and Sam are. You start seeing like claw marks in the wood floors, and that did give me flashbacks to my door frame. Um, <laughs> and uh, but they're trying to stay inside the circle, and Dean's really like still yelling at this demon, like I'm going to send you way down south, and like is reading some incantation to her. Um, and we're cutting back and forth. Basically, he's saying, "Call the hounds off, save Evan, and I won't ban- like banish you to like the depth, deepest depths of hell." Is kind of like what he's. Also, the hellhounds, the puppies are making like wind. I don't know, they're just farting a lot. But I'm just like, well, I don't know. That breath, some of that puppy breath can be pretty brutal too. You never know. It can be pretty brutal. And it's blowing away the circle. And then I'm like, why do all ghosts do this? Like, just makes it wind. They can throw throw things, but they can't like blow a circle out of the way. Yeah. Uh, So Sam and Evan have to make a run for it. And then uh, right right at the last second, of course, like right before the hellhounds are going to get Sam and Evan, the demon. um, tells Dean to stop doing the chants. The dog stops, and uh, the demon. We cut basically to like demon and Dean making out. Yeah, hardcore making out. Like she I, just like it was not. It was not a subtle like oh let's kiss to seal the deal. This was like oh shit. Yeah. Oh, oh one of the thing. One of the thing of the demon, which I think uh, I forgot to mention, uh, but. We learn also the demon knows who Gene Winchester is, right? right? And I think that is something important. Like you can tell, like they're stepping. So now we have like the roadhouse, right? So these all these hunters know who Dean and Sam Winchester are. Yeah. And now, like the general demon world, they're just like, yeah, oh, demon, yeah, demon, you know demon's just known. Be. Yeah, they're known entity apparently now. Yeah, and so I think it's like it just in terms of them like becoming major players in like whatever world Hunting. they're creating. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, she obviously, I mean, she knew who the dad was, and then she, of course, her comment about he's like, "What do you know about me?" Of like back when they first met, and he's like, oh, "You're very handsome," or something, whatever. I'm sorry, I'm just like eye roll with that one. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, anyways, as she's getting about to be, she, so the deal is now he's supposed to release the demon from her, the trap, and he acts like he's not going to. And she's like, really? You're going to double cross me? I'm a fucking demon. And I was actually going to hold up my end of the bargain. What the hell? Uh, but he decides to let her go at the last minute. And then she goes and really makes him feel even worse. Talking about how bad dad's being tortured in hell. 
Yeah, which it seems like it was like, well, I mean, he, I don't know, you're a bitch. Um, but so she flees her body and her meat suit still alive. So at least we had that. So we find out like th- this wasn't actually, she wasn't possessing a dead person. Actually, it was, yeah. 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 So I was like, oh, and there's just a girl who's like, what happened? Why am I here? Why do I taste like Dean? You know? Ah, <laughs> oh, so creepy. That's really. Think of how many people that Dean had kissed. Like, and, like, there's some consent issues there. Anyway. There is some consent issue. She may want to get an STD check. I'm just saying because I don't know that demon looked like she was just going to town on a lot of things. So, uh, oh. uh, hey. yeah. So we get a um, so we cut back to the brothers um, driving away at this point now because the, the the you know the demon situation's resolved. Evans didn't get killed. Uh, we've got some uh, classic blues playing um, a song called "Key of the Highway," uh, which was recorded by both a couple different uh, blues musicians. So like in that era of music and that tradition a lot of the same songs would be recorded different ways by different artists so uh, that version depending on where you check it's either little walter or uh big bill uh bruzy so anyways um they are discussing uh dean is very upset because he feels like dad shouldn't have gone out that way it, it's a it's like an insult to his legacy that dad should have gone out fighting not just with some deal with a demon he feels like it's an insult to him but Sam's like, no, he, 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 you know, dad saved so many people, including us, so that we could continue his legacy. And I thought that was a really good way of reconciling the, the, because there would be a lot of like guilt and like issues with it. And that's, a, and obviously Sam's guilt and Dean's guilt are, guilt are different. But I thought that was a really, really good way of um, him processing. His it's action. a process, but also your dad is rotting in hell. Like I can, okay. I would probably be in the more upset side. Like oh, for sure. I can, I can go sure. with the process side. But I'm like, I could like, if I had that knowledge that someone was being tortured to save me, right. like it would fuck me up. Like oh, no, no. My, that part, my survivor, that part, absolutely. That survivor yeah. guilt would just be huge. Yeah, and I, I don't think Sam really is acknowledging like how much. No, no, no. That's I'm not saying that part. Absolutely, I think I think I'm processing that. I'm I'm taking that part a little bit separate. I think Dean originally is actually truly just upset that his dad made the deal at all and i think sam's processing of that decision is pretty solid um his reckon his way of reconciling it and i know dean doesn't agree but that i think that that part is now the being tortured in hell fraternity part is a totally different piece of the puzzle that's way darker and sadder and more difficult to process and dean i think is the one that's obviously the one holding more of that guilt um i just think that sam processing how even if it's not the decision they would have wanted their dad to make that it doesn't, it's not like a, it's not an insult to his legacy that he sacrificed himself in a deal where he just dropped dead when he wasn't fighting. That's, I think that part was a, a yeah, good yeah. analysis, yeah, but the part, tortured in hell part, not so much. That's, that's, that's shitty. That's not good. Well, that's, not, it, that's, and, but, that's hard to reconcile. But it's also just huge survivor guilt because Dean should be dead. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so sure. it's like, okay, I'm doing this and now somebody is suffering so I can live. And and clearly not taking advantage of it, but you know, it's just like, hey, maybe you should be living your best life now, Dean. Like saying. But I think at this point then Dean's like, I have had enough of this talk and the blues, and we're going back to rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> and so, he changes like, the music right away. Like, and no we're done. Uh, yeah. Sam has had his musical education. We've listened to the blues. Now we can move on. <laughs> yeah. There we go. 
But yeah, it was a really good episode. I really enjoyed like the historical flashbacks. Um, you know, that's like the, the 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 stops that you know, like those uh, musicians were playing on, um, were a huge part of the music legacy, of, especially of the South, but of the America in general. And then, uh, the lore not just our lore but the lore around like the music the, the music that they performed and the themes of it is like super culturally fascinating and then also to have the mystique and the uh mystery and the legends around it is just so it's just super fucking cool i don't know yeah and i just like songs about satan so yeah and i didn't i, I didn't like i didn't like the freaky faces of the people turning into the demon thing and that was very upsetting to me so i didn't like that part of this episode um but I felt like it was a pretty emotionally deep episode for the for the brothers. Yep. Oh, one other thing that I think, besides the creepy ghost face, one other thing we didn't mention is this is uh, the crossroad demons have red eyes. So now red we have flash, not yellow, but they're creepy red. Yeah, they just yeah, like flash so red we, for a second. Now we have a new eye color, right? Mm-hmm. So we have yellow for all yellow eyes, and then we have black for generally possessed people, and now we have crossroads demons with red eyes. Crossroads with demons with red eyes. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Red eyes. So but they didn't I think, stay red, and I was very relieved about that. I would have been very uh, upset. They just flashed red for a second. Yeah, I think this, you know, from you know my omniscient view of this, of the series, like I think this is also starting to lay some more serious lore groundwork, right? So now mm-hmm. we have we have a new thing that's coming. So new now we type, new demon type or whatever. Yeah. I, I, yeah, we have a new mythology which is in here. Like you can go to a crossroads, you can sell your soul to a demon, uh, but you do, and then we'll have hellhounds that come after you. Hellhounds are invisible, uh, but they'll fuck you up and go and fart in your vents, and they're probably just like less mature sulfur smells. Like that's why we think about like dog farts and sulfur. Oh, like yeah, you know, like that's like, the whole demon thing right so oh yeah yep. so i mean i i love this episode i think it's a really good one uh i just because it's it, like you said it's just really interesting it's a good take on taking an american uh folklore and yeah. turning it into this so good on you guys for making this episode yay, yay. all right i think i think we're done now. <laughs> <laughs> all right it's time to close this shit out all right cheers jerk cheers bitch Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Devil's Trap Podcast, Twitter, Devil's Trap Pod, or you can email us, Devil's Trap at Devil's Trap Podcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and share it with all your friends. We're available at all your major podcast listening devices, or you can always find us at Devil's Trap Podcast.com. Thanks. Devil's Trap Podcast is a. Intro music, arrangement and performance by Dave Cox. Piano arrangement and performance by Bobby Roscoe. Meow. <laughs>